So when I was, uh, when I was smaller and I lived at home with my, with my parents, I used to love going into garages, into Halfords or wherever with my dad. And you know, in amongst the tools and everything, the thing that really fascinated me the most was the Haynes workshop manuals. Now, I've put the slide up because I didn't know if I was the only geek that knew what a Haynes workshop manual was. And I loved looking inside these books. I loved looking at the, the diagrams that show how to put a car back together again once it starts falling apart. One of my friends, uh, their, their dad used one of these to totally rebuild the engine of an old car. They're fascinating. I've got so much respect for anybody that can understand a Haynes workshop manual and put a car back together from following them. Thanks, Denise. The danger, the danger that we have as we come to Genesis and Genesis chapter one is that we treat it as a workshop manual, that we treat it as a set of blueprints for how we can build a universe, how we can put a world together. That's not what Genesis chapter one is trying to communicate. Genesis chapter one isn't trying to tell us this is how to create a world. These are the building blocks. This is what magic you have to do to put a world together. It's gonna tell us important things about God and our place with God, but it's not gonna tell us how to do that. And I wanna make that really clear right now. It's not gonna tell us how to build a universe. That's asking it the wrong question. Ask it, what is my place in the universe? And how do I relate to God as part of that place in the universe? So let's pray and ask God to explain these verses to us as we look at them, and then we'll dive into the verses in detail. Father God, I thank you that we can come together this morning. I thank you that we can open up your word this morning. And Lord, these are hard verses, difficult verses when we come to them. And Lord, I just pray that you'd help us to come to them in the right way. Help us to ask the right questions of the text this morning so that we can understand things about you and our relationships with you, that we can, we can come deeper into relationship with you from reading Genesis chapter 1. And Lord, I just pray that you'd speak through me to everybody here this morning, and I pray that you'd speak to me as well, that, that I would be able to learn and I'd be able to communicate your word this morning as we come to it. Amen. So Genesis chapter 1, the very beginning of the Bible. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And even those very first four words pack a huge amount of punch to them. In the beginning, God. There is, for us, a beginning. And that already throws out things like cyclical worldviews. You know, maybe, you've, maybe you've heard some of the physicists talking about the Big Bang and then it coming back and banging again and coming back, or other religions that talk about those cyclical worldviews. Here, there is a beginning. And that implies everything that happens from Genesis chapter 1 all the way through to the end of Revelation has a purpose. And because there's a beginning, has an end, has something that we can look forward to. And we'll see that, you see that if you read all the way through the Bible, that there's an end to its story. But even before day one, God is there. 
He is before creation. He is outside of creation. And it's God who's going to do the creating. And the important thing to note here is there's one God who is doing the creating. So outside of this, outside of the creation that we see today, outside of the creation that we can touch, is God. Not everything we see, touch, comprehend, that is not all of reality. Again, a stark contrast to how maybe we do think about the world and how uh, the world around us thinks about the world. God is there outside of time, outside of what he creates. And this is special, this is novel. God is the organizer. He's going to take everything and put it together in an organized way. The heavens and the earth. And again, packed into those two words, heavens, earth, there's a lot. To the ancient Jews who were reading this first, that meant everything. There's nothing left now outside of God's creation. Everything is created by God. And if you read on to the end of verse 2 there, you see the Spirit of God is hovering over the face of the waters. Just an early hint of an idea of the Trinity. And we see that again in John chapter 1 and verse 1 if we read ahead, where Jesus is the Word. And John writes, In the beginning with God was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus is there as well. Everything is created by this God who is there in the beginning with a purpose from this beginning. And if everything, if everything, heavens and earth, if that means everything is created, then that means that I'm created by God. That means you are created by God. And that means that we have not a balanced relationship with God, doesn't it? It means that we don't have a balanced relationship. It means we have an unbalanced relationship with God. We are not going to go into an equal relationship with our creator. He has more power than we can ever imagine. He created everything. He has more wisdom than we can ever imagine. Because we have not created everything. We have not organized everything. So we have an unequal relationship with God. The universe belongs to him. Not to me. I didn't create it. Not to you. You didn't create it. It belongs to God. Yet that is the God to whom we can come and pray and worship because he sent the word, Jesus, into the world. When we get to Genesis 3 in a few weeks, we'll see why Jesus needed to come. But right now, it's enough to remember that because Jesus came into the world, was sent by God, the creator, we can pray to that creator. We can have a relationship with him, even though it's unequal. But we can talk to him, we can sing to him and praise him. That 
is our God. Now, we don't have time to go deep through Genesis 1, verse 2 to 125, where God does each of the makings. I don't have time to, to dive into all the detail there. But at the start of verse 2, the earth is lacking form. The universe is dark and lacking light. And you're meant to read this and see the Spirit of God hovering over the water and feel anticipation. Like, like a cinema pullback, just giving you some uh, anticipation that something amazing is going to happen. You're supposed to feel that as you read the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. And what happens? Like we saw in that video, God simply speaks. That's all Genesis tells us about how God does creation. If you're looking here for the mechanics of how God did it, all it's going to tell us is he spoke. And it was so. And it was so. God speaks. He acts personally. It's a, it's a personal thing to do, isn't it? To talk. It's not something that, that you do just kind of without, you know, you, it's something that you're doing. It's a personal act. And so God is acting personally as he speaks. And he creates. And he names. He names the, the darkness night and the light day and the sea and the heavens. He's doing the naming here. He's taking personal interest in everything he creates. And he takes pleasure in everything he creates. And he looked and he saw it was good. It was good. It was good. It was very good. God is taking pleasure in everything that he creates here. Now again, Genesis isn't going to tell us, Genesis 1 is not going to tell us, look, this is the order that everything happens in. If we go back, you know, if we accept that the universe is however many billion years old or, or whatever, we're not going to see, well, this came here and this came here and then this came here and this came here. Genesis has a different message for us to understand. God created everything in his absolute power. And what does he create? What does God stand for? Order and light. And he makes form. His absolute, in his absolute power, he takes the darkness and makes it light. He takes the thing that is lacking form and crafts it and fills it. He creates light and dark and puts sun and stars in there, in the heavens. He creates sea and sky and he fills them and he fills them with fish and birds. And he creates fertile land and he puts on the land the plants and the land animals and humans. See, this is, the, this is what the six days are telling us here. These units of creation. Light and dark, sea and sky, fertile earth. He's creating order. And then he creates form. Sun and stars, fish and birds, land animals and humans. It's telling us about God's character. Telling us about God's character. God represents order. 
represents this kind of creation, this form. He creates, and everything he creates is ordered and formed is with the purpose that comes from that beginning. So when our life feels dark, and there are times there are times when our life feels like chaos, God can shine the same light into the darkness that we feel in our hearts. When we've turned our backs on him and our hearts are dark, the, the love that we heard about in that video is poured out into our hearts when we recognize God, when we recognize Jesus, and the light of God shines into our hearts. When chaos seems to reign around us, it's God's order that we can look to to give us certainty. Earlier in the year, I was looking for, for a new job. It was a very uncertain time for me. It was a chaotic time. Things felt very much out of control. It never was clear, God kind of just going, this is the thing that I want you to do. I never had a clear, yes, here. There were people praying for us. And we still didn't have a clear, yes, this. No, not this. And in the end, let's take a little bit of a leap of faith. But, and if I'm, if I'm really honest, I still feel a little bit of uncertainty, actually, about taking that leap of faith, that step of faith. But God has order and purpose for our lives. And when we look to him, we can see his order. He can shine his light into the darkness of our lives and our hearts. And if you've never accepted God as your, as your Lord, as Jesus, as your Savior, then maybe this morning you want to do that, to feel that light shine into your heart and to feel the order that he brings into our universe. The final piece of God's creation in um, verse 26 is slightly different. So we've seen that God is all-powerful in the beginning, God. We've seen that he makes and organizes and creates order. And now he makes something different. And it's humans. God said in verse 26, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. This is a different point of creation, isn't it? It's drawn out in a way that isn't drawn out anywhere else in what we hear about creation. Let us, in his image, male and female, and this is a difference that is celebrated by God as he blesses the humans that he creates. And he creates in his own image. 
Now, what does that mean? Well, later on in uh, Genesis, in chapter 5 and verse 3, it talks about Adam having a son in his own image. And that's, you know, we might colloquially say, ah, he's a chip off the old block. It's kind of recognizing that there is a resemblance between Adam and his son, a resemblance between humans and God. Does that mean that my face looks like God's face? I don't think that's quite what it's saying here. It's saying that there is a status and a role that is given to humans that resembles in some way God's status and role. And we can see that in how God talks to the humans. Verse 28, he says to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Behold, I have given you every plant-yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And every beast of the earth, and every, uh, every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. See, God is giving them an instruction there to go forth, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. To rule over the earth under God's authority. God has created, God has authority over everything, and now he's giving authority to the people that he has created. He gives them this status, this role. Next week, as we look at Genesis 2, we'll go into this in a little bit more detail. We'll see that they're called to farm and work the land, to be fruitful and multiply, not to, not to go into the world and exploit it and destroy it, but to have authority over it, to take responsibility day by day for the creation that God has made and has placed them in. And we'll see next week that that is communicated as being some incredible, generous act of God in Genesis 2. And then we will see when we come to Genesis 3 what happens when humans fail to take the responsibility that God has given them day by day. So God has given us a special position. We sit under his authority, but we have this command to rule under his authority, over the earth. And because he's given us responsibility, what are the responsibilities that he's given me today? What are the things that God has given me that, that I'm responsible for? Maybe we have our families that we feel responsible for. Maybe we have other people who we feel responsible for. This idea of uh, being created in God's image means that there's a preciousness to each of our lives and how we relate to each other. As we come to church, God has given us a responsibility to serve each other and to serve him in church in different ways. So what are the responsibilities that God has given you today? And what are you maybe turning away from in those responsibilities? 
Sometimes it's very easy, isn't it, to actually forget about that preciousness to each life. It's very easy to get sucked in to negative talk about somebody, especially in a, in a work situation. If that situation is getting a little bit toxic, it's very easy to get dragged into the, the chat that's happening, maybe the talk around a, a coffee station, the negative talk. And that's, that's a very easy way that we can start to forget about the preciousness of each other's life by getting involved in that negative talk about somebody. So let's have a think about what, what are the God-given responsibilities that we have today? What am I turning away from? What do I need to face up to of the responsibilities that God has given me? And then finally and quickly, a few verses that, that Porig didn't actually read for us at the end there. From verse 31 of chapter 1 to uh, verse 3 of chapter 2. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. How many times have I started a project at home and it kind of gets left and not finished? There must be things that you've started doing. Maybe it's a bit of DIY or something, a bit of painting maybe. And it just kind of, it never quite gets just over the finishing line. That's not creation. God finishes. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. God is a finisher. Everything he has made in his awesome power is very good, is perfect. Does this idea that he's rested mean that he's now stepped out of the universe, though? Stepped out of his creation and just lets it do its thing? No. There are details and processes that need sustaining. We see in the whole of the rest of the Bible that God works and works continually in his creation. It would be a very short, very short Bible if God had just stopped and stepped away and become disinterested at this point. I did a PhD in um, environmental science and I was looking at a very specific piece of how the world works how tides and waves move sand around. And the more I looked, the less I realized we understand. And the deeper you go, the less we know. And God put all that in place and sustains it. Sustains the creation. And then, and then acts. Because in Genesis 3, all of his creation, this lovingness, that his people have for him, it gets wiped out. And God acts to save you and to save me from what happens in Genesis 3. And because he's a finisher, that means that when we have accepted him 
accepted Jesus, that we can trust that that saving that he does will be finished when the time is right. The promises that God makes to us, we can, we can rest. We know that they're going to be fulfilled because he's a finishing, completing God. He's going to finish his work. Not like me with the DIY. He's going to finish what he sets out to do in me and in you. And so this has been a bit of a whistle-stop tour through Genesis 1. But we've seen it introduce God in his power, in his majesty. We've seen God create an orderly and dependent, perfect creation. We've seen that we have a place in that creation, made in God's image, to have responsibility under God's authority. That we should respond to that amazing God as we sang before. All creatures of our God and King on bended knee, praising him for creating us and putting us in place in creation. And we've seen that God is a finisher of his work. And that gives us hope for our own future with him, that he's going to finish the work that he has started in us and he's going to bring us home to heaven, to the new creation. Next week, as we come to look at Genesis 2, we'll see more explicitly on who that God is. And we'll see more about his generosity as well and see more about what it means to have that responsibility that he's given us, more on what that responsibility is. So think about your place under God. Think about the fact that he has created you, that you lack the power and wisdom, that I lack the power and wisdom of the creator as we come to relate to him. Think about how you might open up to God to let his light shine into the darkness of your life or the chaos around you as you need it. Think about the responsibility that he's given you for today and tomorrow and the days, weeks, months ahead. What do you need his help to face up to that you're turning away from now? And let's give him thanks that he's going to finish the work that he started in us as we can have hope as we see that he finished his creation. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for these verses. We thank you uh, that we see in them your awesome power, your power of creation, your power of uh, ordering, your power of bringing light into darkness and of turning away chaos. And Father, we thank you that through Jesus we can come before you and we can bring what little praise we can to you and you accept it, Lord. And Lord, that's our right response to you as the creator, the ruler, the owner of the universe, of all creation. Father, we, we recognize that there are times that we maybe turn away from the responsibilities that you've given us. And we thank you that you have given us responsibility, Lord. We just pray that you would help us to see 
where we need to face up to the responsibilities you've given us in our lives and that you would give us the power and strength to do that. And Lord, we offer you praise and thanks for being a finisher. We thank you that you will finish the work that you have started in us. We thank you that you will one day finish the story that we see laid out in the Bible. And that for those of us who have put our trust and faith in you, in Jesus' saving power, that we have a founded hope, a hope that we can really trust in because we've seen you finish already. We thank you that we can have that hope, that we will be with you in the new creation, in heaven, praising you, serving you for eternity, Lord.